Hi, I'm Grant Johnson, Chief Marketing Officer at Imburse. Welcome to Imburse on the Mic, a podcast series where we dig into the topics that impact our business and lives. Managing expenses, processing invoices, making payments, and discovering ways to eliminate those time-consuming, error-prone manual tasks to help make our lives easier. Our website is imburse.com. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode, you can reach us at hi at imburst.com. That's H-I at imburst.com. As we discussed in season one, Imburst humanizes work for our customers. Today, we're kicking off the second season entitled C-Suite Thinking. This season, designed for executives and their teams, will explore key industry topics, best practices, and learnings to help companies innovate, grow, and increase employee satisfaction by applying modern spend management practices. With me today is Eric White, Chief Operating Officer at Imburse. As COO, Eric is responsible for all of our business units serving customer segments and geographies. Eric has a broad range of technology leadership experience. I'm also joined by Rajiv Subramanyam. He's the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Imburse Pay. Rajiv leads all payments innovation efforts for Imburst and is responsible for developing integrated payment experiences to enhance the Imburst product suite. Eric and Rajiv will explore the biggest B2B payment challenges organizations now face and how to overcome them. Eric and Rajiv, welcome and thanks for joining today. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Let's start out here, uh, Eric. You know, as the COO, I'm sure managing spend is one of the many topics on your mind. I'd love to have you start off with your thoughts on that process at Inverse. Yeah, sure, Grant. So you're right. Managing spend is often on my mind. And in 2020, it was on perhaps more than previous years. So spend mattered a lot in 2020. And I think it's fair to say the pandemic really put a spotlight on cash flow and the cost side of the P&L. You know, everywhere I've been and had you know jobs at uh, in the past, it's really been difficult to get a, a real-time view on spend. And the early pandemic created a lot of uncertainty and really caused us to tighten our belts a little bit. So for us, that risk constraining growth, which we certainly didn't want to do. So we worked really hard to find the sweet spot. We're about 900 employees in Imburse, that's employees and contractors. And you know, like a lot of companies, we're going to exit COVID a lot more decentralized than when we entered. Uh, we received um, invoices um, at more than eight offices, and it creates an opportunity for a lot of invisible vendor spend. So we're working to put a better visibility process around how how we pay and um, uh, really how we manage that process. So, you know, globally, it's not just an Ember's problem. We're, uh, we're paying each other as companies $127 trillion a year. And what's crazy is that it costs $2.7 trillion just to make those payments. That's about two and a half percent of G&A costs, adding G&A costs just to make payments. And that doesn't include um, the actual cost to pay commissions or card rails or ACH payments, anything like that. It's really just our own internal operating costs to do that. So 60%, what's even crazier is that 60% of those payments are made by check. I can't remember the last time I wrote a personal check, but in business we do it every day and I think we get numb to it. So. And as an example, I was talking to a CFO at a law firm and during the conversation, he kept looking down and I realized that he was signing checks. And so I asked him and he held up the pile uh, for me to look and it was really thick. And so that prompted me to look into our own AP team and we weren't really much better. So 
Um, I'm happy to say we're piloting a full stack payment capability in our finance org now, and we're going to launch this spring. So, so really excited about the improvements that I think the pandemic and the focus that that put on cash is really causing us to make. Well, Eric, it's great to hear that we're automating and that'll help us help our customers as they embrace their own journey to reduce the manual tasks that you know are time consuming. They don't add a lot of value to the business. Payments has been really a topic that just keeps getting hotter, but especially in the last few years, it's obvious that you know, pandemic has had an influence. Uh, you can't go to offices to cut checks if you're still doing doing them manually, as Eric said. But uh, why now, Rajiv? Yeah, it's surprising because payments is a very big opportunity that Eric mentioned. In fact, uh, P2P payments is five times the size of consumer retail, so 127 trillion. So it should have been a focus point for many years. But what has happened is, ironically, uh, the pandemic has been an accelerant. Historically, many customers have been slow to tackle these challenges, either due to complexity or the cost of available solutions or just simple inertia. They have many things to focus on. But what has been clear is the pandemic has driven a lot of change. Uh, the inefficiency and the cost associated with payments has become much more clear. And the work done leading up to the pandemic where businesses realized, wow, there's a big opportunity and we need to educate customers about it, that awareness leading up to the pandemic has only been turbocharged by the pandemic. So now with the pandemic being live and Ember's own story as Eric talked about, we have changed the processes. It's now a necessity and we've done that. Uh, so it was a buildup happening throughout the course of these years, but now executives who may have been interested have made it a necessity because they can no longer do what they did in the past. No longer can they walk down the corridor and talk to AP managers, controllers, and coordinating the simple tasks that's no longer possible. All that has to be done virtually so the pandemic really, really has accelerated the change, which is probably already underway over the few years. And now it's very clear. Uh, if you're cutting checks in a big way, uh, it's the ROI is very clear. You have to automate that. And you can streamline the processes in a very significant way. Also, technology has become a lot better. So an advent of many cloud-based solutions, real-time payments, cross-border payments, it's just enabling things you just could not do in the past. So that's another reason why a combination of the pandemic and technology has really put some fuel to a fire, I guess, if that's the word to use here. Uh, finally, I'd say a new trend also emerged in the middle of the pandemic, which is the decentralization of what we call tailspin. And what I mean by that is as employees went home, they realized and they started spending their own money to buy things for the office. So things like subscriptions, AWS, Amazon Web Services, and getting reimbursed. And so what happened overnight was this new category of spending was created and that itself creates the need for creating new solutions uh, to help solve customer needs and also the manager needs to manage and control payments. Uh, so in effect, to summarize all of this, it's not too dissimilar from what you see on the consumer side in e-commerce, where e-commerce was happening and building up over the years, but just in the last year, it's accelerated many times over. And the same thing is happening in B2B payments. Yeah, that's fascinating. We're going to come to the the tailspin here in a minute. But given this acceleration of the digital transformation of, you'd say, the office of the finance and a lot of businesses, how do you guys see the convergence of finance functions and how it's impacting the way businesses operate? Maybe, Eric, you could start. Sure. You know, we're all operating in, in really hyper competitive environments. And so there's a lot of pressure on 
you know, executives of all flavors to control GNA spend and invest in other areas like R&D or sales, you know, things that produce uh, for the company um, and help a company grow. So when we look at a financial office, there's a lot of things that are happening in there that are really manual and repetitive work and, you know, they're expensive. So I have two daughters and I think if I asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up, I have asked them that and I, I would have been really disappointed if they would have said uh, that when I'm older, I want to spend my time chasing employees to submit expense reports, you know, babysitting manual check runs and pulling information from multiple systems for, a, you know, a presentation. Uh, it's not really fulfilling work for most and, and, and we're really working hard to fix that. Yeah, and if I can just add to that, uh, what's happened is a little bit necessity, but, but at the same time, there are modern CFOs and AP department leads who are no longer viewing uh, payments as a tedious task, but thinking about how can I convert it as a growth lever for the company. So payments is very unique in the sense that you can save time and money by building automation around it and do work and optimize the spend, and also get and generate revenue and insights for your, for your company. And this way, the modern folks are really looking at, uh, the finance function are really looking at areas of turning this tedious task into a growth opportunity. And what's happening, interestingly, it's that one on the one hand, it's the CFOs thinking about cash flow in and out. On the other hand, it's AP departments are thinking about inefficiency. And now the opportunity exists for both to happen in a convergent way. And so, yes, they have to collaborate, the CFO and the AP department, and the objectives might be slightly different. But what's amazing is that the similar solution can address both the CFO needs and the AP needs, and folks who are leaning forward to think about how can I make this better and spend my time where it's needed more. This just creates a whole new opportunity. And so that's how uh, modern businesses are leveraging the latest of technology to change where they are and create more opportunities for growth. That's a great point, Rajiv. Yeah, that is. I mean, this modern spend management approach, as you mentioned, really helps drive the convergence of these different functions and to the overall benefit of the, the business. Rajiv, a minute ago, you mentioned this emergence of long tail spend. And I'm not sure our audience has heard that phrase or that framing before. Can you break it down for us and how it differs from other types of spend they may have heard of? Yeah, this is just a fascinating topic. And I love to talk about it because almost every customer I've talked to has mentioned this. I'll just give you our own internal example, which happened a few days ago. Our CTO sent a note on our Slack channel saying, hey, no longer should you be buying computers on your own personal card. But what happened is employees had to do that when they were stuck at home at COVID and buy equipment or, or cables or whatever it might be from Staples. And so spend is really changing. It was really simple in the past where employees were responsible for what we call travel and expense spend, and the procurement finance teams were handling everything else. But now that increasingly uh, companies work with a different set of vendors and employees are initiating a lot of the spend. And that's driven largely by tech forward companies, but it's true across most companies, the spend is em em employee initiated. And so procurement is getting decentralized. With our own, and we see that in our own Embers data. In our own spend, we see more spend on advertising, software, subscriptions, events. And these shifts have really, really accelerated during COVID. So employees are taking control of spending and out of the hands of procurement to some degree. While that's great, what's challenging is for companies is that we need something new to address this. This kind of spend is not well suited to a burdensome process like an invoice-based process. And even reimbursements or corporate cards don't really work because reimbursements, you have to reimburse the employee for this and they don't want to get out-of-pocket money spent on this. And then corporate cards have limitations as well. 
So basically, there's limitations in visibility, control, and flexibility. And so a new category of spenders emerged, and there are very few solutions which address this need. And that's why we're really excited to think about that problem for customers and create new solutions around it. That's interesting. So Eric, why do you think companies struggle with this area of spending? Yeah, I, I think um, the challenge is that it's really a, a high volume of expenses that are at a relatively low dollar amount per transaction, and it just flies below the radar. I think it's pretty typical for a leader to look at a P&L and see that spending's up or down and, and really not know why. And so if that spend, you know, if you don't know if it's creating value, you don't know, you don't know if it's up because um, of timing issues or if it's down because of timing issues and that you're going to be, you know, hit next month with a huge event. So it's really just too hard to find out. And so a lot of leaders, you know, they hope for the best and they, they move on. You know, at Inverse, we're learning to change that dynamic. It's not an Inverse story, um, really, that I want to tell. But at, at a previous employer, we actually really got serious about managing this long tail spend and improved EBITDA by quite a bit. You know, the process helped us ask a lot of why questions um, and it ultimately stopped a lot of non-value add stuff that was a big contributor to a 6% uh, boost in profitability uh, over about a year period. So it can be really material if you have the discipline and the tools to manage it. And it's a big opportunity uh, to improve. And so at Imburse, we're creating the tools uh, that help uh, help folks do that. If I can just add to that, yeah, to Eric's point, uh, First, that, that category of spend is actually becoming quite big. It's low dollar, high frequency, but it could add up to up to 50% of a company's spending. So it's becoming very, very material to a company. And I think one of the main challenges is that the different stakeholders have different needs. So the employee wants flexibility and not out of pocket. The manager or the leader wants productivity, uh, but wants some budgeting around it. And then the CFO or the administrator, they want more control and visibility. So how do you accomplish all is what companies are struggling with. And they usually anchor towards one or the other, depending on the risk levels and tolerance, and they learn over time. But, but again, with modern technology, I think what I feel good about is now we can put things together to solve all constituents' needs as opposed to just solving the one constituent need. And that was the way of the past. And that I feel really good about how we can create solutions for all. Yeah, Rajiv, that was a big surprise for me, you know, a few years ago and really started focusing on this just in terms of how material it can be. You know, I mentioned it was a 6% uh, profitability change. I would say managing the long tail uh, expense, it was the major contributor that led to, uh, led to that increase. Well, that's very, very encouraging. And not everyone outside of finance is close to the term EBITDA. I think everybody is close to the term profitability and the ways that you can automate and increase profitability. But what about outside of the finance department for, for both of you? How does automating this entire AP process benefit everyone else at the organization? Yeah, I, I can take that, Grant. I think in the in the company that I just mentioned and my experience there, it actually kept us from having to cut some programs that were pretty value creating. And it, you know, honestly, it probably saved a few a few jobs as well. So when I think about what happened in Burse, um, when the pandemic first hit, we planned out various disaster scenarios, and we we felt a tremendous amount of responsibility to make sure that we had our spend under control. And I personally uh, strongly feel that it's a failure of leadership uh, when you have to make decisions that impact people's lives or say no to value creating programs that are going to help the company grow. It's a failure of leadership when you do that without having your own spin management house in order. So, um, you know, part of humanizing work 
which we're all about here at Inverse, is to provide tools to put leaders really in the best position possible when making investment decisions, really of any kind, and making sure that we can do it without um, hurting the growth of the company, or I guess better said, enabling the growth of the company and making sure that we're putting people in the best spots to be successful. Yeah, if I can build on that, truly automating the end-to-end, what you call the procure-to-pay process, uh, can benefit more constituents by bringing down processing costs, cycle times, and visibility into spend management at a much greater level than doing it piecemeal, one piece alone. So yes, you can. And for example, an organization can just do invoice automation, and that's fine. And there's value in that for sure for the AP department where it will achieve benefits of less paper and faster approval. However, when you automate the entire procure-to-pay process, uh, and if you don't have just a automated procurement or automated payment process, the gains of what I just implemented, which is the invoice automation, may be limited to this, that department. But when you can automate every part of the step, there's tremendous value beyond just the inefficiency of that particular step, which is faster approval times or less paper. Here, if you automate the end-to-end process, you can synchronize data flowing across all the departments, and that reduces errors across the board. You can improve employee productivity, not just the AP department productivity, because it allows them to focus on uh, more value-added tasks. And finally, you can have influencers, decision-makers, executives focus on spend management more holistically than just, again, looking at, yes, I saved costs by cutting down paper. I am happy to say that even invoice automation will help you, and there's no reason not to do that, but end-to-end automation can help even more and help the broader organization. Yeah, I love that you both touched on the more holistic process to that uh, uh, phrase that uh, Eric used about getting your spend management house in order. I mean, you can fix the leaky roof or you can the broken screen door that goes to the, the backyard. But if you, you, you adopt this modern spend management approach across your entire peer-to-pay cycle, it sounds like the benefits uh, can be very significant. What other benefits do you see from having the payments and the spend management together in a single platform? Yeah, think about this. If you have it in one platform, it just can be so many savings. Let me just bring it to life with a few examples. One is just reconciliation. You know that lovely task you have to do it every month. Uh, If you have a unite, if you have a disconnected process and you keep your invoice and payments and ERP data in all different places, they're not communicating to each other. And that's where you have a lot more errors. But if you had one source and system of record, you could easily manage your vouchers, approve purchase orders, pay vendors, and then you can simplify the entire accounts payable automation process from remittance to reconciliation all in one place. So reconciliation at the end of the month becomes a lot easier. The other I would say is just cash flow optimization. So today, if you just have payments automation, and that's the, you've already agreed to pay these payments and these invoices. And so then you're saying, go execute this payment file. And that's all good and about. But imagine if you had this all together, a true one-stop shop for AP automation would give them an opportunity to optimize the entire process from getting APs and POs approved while executing payments. And so what that allows you to do is decide when to pay, as opposed to just click to pay and make the payment on the invoice. You can choose which vendors to pay when, at what terms, and all in one visible place where you can make choices, which you wouldn't have if you were just looking at sending a payment file and making the payments. Uh, Another good example is improved relationships with your suppliers. By having everything in one place, it's not about going to one system to check for the supplier to check whether they got paid. All in one place, you can think about, did I receive the order from the supplier? Did I get an invoice? Did I make a payment? And you can communicate with the suppliers much more effectively. And as a result, your relationships with the suppliers 
can get better also because you have a lot more visibility into what's happening from the entire spectrum from a purchase order to a payment and having that visibility for you and your supplier can really improve your communication with the suppliers those are just some examples of how a single one-stop shop can bring it all together there are probably many many more i can go on and on and on but i just want to bring this to life with a few examples yeah those are great rajiv and i can certainly see in covid times the increase in importance of having this you know visibility and communication improve the relationship when you're largely operating in a virtual uh environments versus in person uh, eric can you share any examples of how you're handling this as a coo with a global company like Embers? Yeah, yeah, we've had to make the transition from operating in an office to a virtual environment, just like a lot of different companies. And I think our software is really helping with that. You know, we make the software that a lot of companies are using to, you know, to bridge that transition. And, you know, sometimes we're like the cobbler's children uh, without shoes. But I, I do think we're getting better, uh, you know, in that respect. And we're doing things now that we've been helping customers do for a long time. I think the thing that I'm most excited about is, and I mentioned this earlier, but we're updating our invoice processes uh, with Chrome River, the Chrome River solution. And uh, there's so many benefits there. Uh, one of the things I've always really had a strong distaste for is the, you know, the, the emails that you get for uh, approvals of different invoices that, you know, require you to log into an antiquated banking software and figure out what they're for and, you know, just so much time lost managing that kind of thing. And so uh, we're, we're correcting a lot of that. And, you know, we're using our new payments capabilities to eliminate check runs. I, I asked our finance department how much time they spent on manual check runs. And, you know, the answer was, oh, not too much. Uh, you know, just something like six hours a, a check run. And, uh, you know, that's that, that actually should be unacceptable. So we're challenging our teams to expect uh, a lot better. And so when COVID happened, uh, we had finance staff, I think it was mentioned, taking printers home and uh, people going into the office to pick up checks. And, you know, there's a lot of um, control issues uh, around that kind of uh, kind of a process. And so we're asking, you know, vendors to take more card payments, which helps them get cash up front. Uh, and if that's not an option, we're moving to ACH. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we're using the tools that we make more and more and more, and it's helping save a ton of time. Well, thanks, Eric. It's great to see a company like Inverse able to automate and, you know, leverage our own software benefit. We have a lot of customers that are, you know, fairly large enterprises. Uh, Rajiv, can you talk a little bit about how this approach uh, can scale? Can something like a virtual credit card to, to work on the long tail spend for a large company? And, you know, what about AP Teams paying let's say thousands of invoices a month. Yeah, the big benefit of payments and software converging, in fact, is scalability and automation because all of your payments can be available at the access of a single click and you can consolidate and decide which payments you wanna make and even batch payments and do it at once. So the automation actually and the scalability comes because of having a software to back your payments as opposed to payments in isolation, which could be card on file, which are very inefficient processes. And yes, virtual cards are a primary means and a growing means by which this is being accomplished for companies of all sizes, big and small. Uh, the benefits are clear of virtual cards and there are benefits both on the buyer side and on the supplier side, because you do have to think about both constituents when you think about card acceptance, because there's a cost of doing business here. For buyers, the benefits are security and reconciliation are clear, as well as the ability to earn rebate, rebates 
and also optimize your cash flow. So the buyer, there's truly, truly lots of things you can accomplish by the use of virtual cards. And the buyers are really, really eager to really use virtual cards wherever they can. On the supplier side, there is a cost consideration, but more and more suppliers are also seeing the value of accepting virtual cards. And that's in the form of improved security. And also in some cases, they are seeing accelerated payments. So a buyer is using virtual cards, the supplier actually gets paid faster. And finally, the burden of collecting payments from the buyer goes away if you kind of accept virtual cards, because then you can really charge that card when, when available as opposed to following up with the buyer. So the suppliers are also seeing a tremendous amount of benefit uh, of using virtual cards. And one statistic which might be useful here is 74% of businesses, if they use check, had a fraud. But through virtual cards, get, guess what that number is? Only 3%. So that, I think, brings that to life about the security benefit on the buyer side and the supplier side. And so what with this benefit, what's happening is AP teams don't have to worry about card on file because it's a virtual card, a single-use token. Uh, they don't have to worry about giving somebody that card number. It's a one-time single-use number. And then it can also be integrated into the software and you can make payments with a click. So more and more suppliers are ex accepting this because of the security reasons and all the other reasons I mentioned. So the virtual cards can work for everybody, but it's in the context of virtual cards being enabled within software, which is enabling the automation and scale. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it sounds like a win-win-win for the buyer, the supplier, the finance department. It all comes together for the benefit of everyone. One of the episodes we're going to look into in the future is really uh, around the planning a return to work and the, in the new way that will be. So, Eric, I was wondering, what, what are some of these key trends companies should keep in mind as the workplace begins to evolve uh, coming out of COVID? Yeah, so I'm hearing a couple things, Grant. Um, I had a customer tell me the other day that uh, they're thinking about employee and the spend experience as a way to win the war for talent. Um, this particular company, their employees spend about 75% of the time remote uh, and they, you know, a lot of them are on the road and they were actually planning to add 2000 people in 2021. And what they're seeing, and I think a lot of us will see is that the labor market, particularly for certain roles is really tightening and it's getting harder to hire uh, for certain higher end positions. And so I see that trend really only growing this year and providing leaders and actionable spend insights and putting them in a position to make better decisions is one way that we're working to humanize work for, you know, for the mobile workforce. And I, re I really like that particular um, uh, leader's line of thinking in terms of winning the war for talent. I think it's pretty enlightened and uh, I think we can all learn from it. Um, and I know our, our own CFO here at Inburst, they're thinking through how to make the AP process more resilient. You know, we got fewer manual processes, less dependencies on a single person, you know, that sort of a thing. And then I think the big thing um, that a lot of companies are thinking about right now um, in terms of, you know, spin management is when when's travel going to return? That's a, it's a pretty big line item for a lot of us. And I, personally, I miss the employee connection. I think it adds a lot of value uh, to uh, culture and to a company. And a year into a pandemic, we're actually starting to see productivity rates fall. Uh, the feds came out with some numbers uh, last month that were uh, we're, uh, we're interesting. So um, I think travel plays a big role in uh, creating collaborative cultures and uh, we're missing that right now. And I'm uh, really looking forward to, uh, to bringing that back. Yeah, I think a lot of people join you in that sentiment. Here's a question for both of you is how does employee experience, uh, you touched on a little bit, but how does it fit into this equation? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Our at Embers, our net promoter score NPS it went up by about twenty points during COVID. And you know, if you're not familiar with NPS or net promoter score, that that's actually quite a lot. So we got lucky in that we had the systems and a culture that was really well suited for remote work. So, Grant, it's a complicated question, um, but for employees in the financial office. We're all about humanizing their experience and building systems that really enable them to increase their productivity for themselves and, you know, and for their companies. And so I'm really happy to be a part of that. Yeah. And if I were to add on to that, look, AP and payments automation is all about humanizing the experience, making the process as streamlined as possible for everyone so that employees can focus on value-added services rather than chasing payments. Like 30% of AP payments time is spent on chasing payments, answering supplier calls. So it's very inefficient time. Who wants to go back to that, right? Even in a post-COVID world. So as you turn to work, you want to preserve an automation benefit of that and focus on value-added services. And then to the point of tail spend, uh, to the broader employee organization, they've now gotten used to buying things a certain way. And we hope to preserve some of that and not having to go back to, hey, procurement has to sign off on this, but, but preserving some of the gains in terms of what we have solved for through the pandemic, how can we preserve that to sustain and even improve the employee experience as they come back work uh, to the office from COVID? Why not still have services and solutions like that, which allows productivity to increase dramatically and satisfaction to increase? And we expect like not everybody's going to return to work. There's going to be a hybrid environment. Some people will come in a couple of days of work to the office. So it's going to be a blended environment. So we do need to preserve the best of solutions created during the COVID world and enable that in the new post-COVID world. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense as we're navigating our way forward. Is there one final piece of advice, Rajiv, you have to our listeners who are contemplating automating APN payments? Yeah, look, I understand. It's a, it may have been thought of as a big lift, and historically, that is absolutely true. But hopefully, many of you saw the necessity of that uh, during the COVID times. So the time is definitely now. Don't put it off anymore. Uh, the ROI is very, very, very clear for making these decisions. And as we talked about, the employee experience itself is going to be clearly improved as well. So in a post-COVID world uh, where you're trying to cut costs or manage, manage benefits for employees, this is a great time to invest in a solution and integrated offerings, I should say, offer a one-stop solution. So think about whether you want a piecemeal solution or you want a one-stop shop. I mean, ultimately seek the solution what's, what's best for you but technology has really, really enabled a lot of interesting ways to optimize your work forward and make your experience better. So make a decision now. And I know I talked about e-commerce acceleration at the beginning of this call. This is the time where some of the habits will, will have changed forever. So take advantage of the moment in time in a, in a positive way and make that impact on your business and your employees. Well, no time like the present, for sure. Eric and Rajiv, uh, thanks so much for talking with us today. It's been very informative and illuminating. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. I will invite our listeners to stay tuned for our next Immerse on the Mic episode, when we're going to find out more how to gain the unique insights into the travel expense, payments, and accounts payable spending patterns. And if you'd like to learn more about Immerse, please visit us at Immerse.com or send us a note to hi at Immerse.com, hi at Immerse.com. And we'll talk to you next time.